All right, a special guest here in Cinephile, long in the making. I saw her and her husband, Graham Larson, who's a great guy. Last year, Critics' Choice Awards, we ended up doing a video, me and my buddy Max Bredos for Ray's Kids. And that's why Ray Seahorn now is kind enough to join us. You know her playing Kim Wexler in Better Call Saul, which is nothing short of the best drama right now in television. And for my money, she's as good as any actress working in television. She's been so good playing the role of Kim Wexler, particularly the last couple of years. And the last two episodes have been as good as dramatic television gets. Ray Seahorn joins us now in Cinephile. Thanks so much, Ray, for the time. Thank you. And there's, there's more reasons than just me uh, bribing you into making a, <laughs> a video for my boys that I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're big sports fans, so I appreciate that. And hopefully uh, life will go back to normal at some point and your boys will be able to watch sports like all the rest of us. And I'm sure right now they're so proud exactly. because mom is entertaining all of us. Before we get into the show, how are you doing? How I couldn't imagine what it's like in California. I have a lot of friends there, but just day to day, obviously with your boys and just, I mean, homeschooling, I'm sure there's a lot of challenging adventures right now. Now, cabin fever, how are you holding up? We, we are holding up, mostly taking it day by day. Um, and, you know, we're still going back and forth to boys' mom's house to our house. And that's about the extent of any traveling we're doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but it's good. We're, we're, we're thankful. You know, we try to sit in a place of gratitude most days. Of course, it's nerve-wracking, stir-crazy. Um, it's takes a lot for families and parents that are trying to do this distance learning at home and all that. But, you know, I was telling the boys the other day, there's tons of kids that have uh, no internet, no ability to have any of their education continued right now. And that that's a thousand times worse. You're absolutely right. I was thinking about that as well. Like in certainly rural communities, impoverished people don't have computers. You know, they were relying on schools actually giving them meals. So you're right. Listen, we're at home. The cable works. The food's good. You know, we're with, with, with our loved ones. And I couldn't agree with you more. The key, yeah. I think you're right, is that you got to look at it day by day. If somebody said to you, hey, Ray, uh, you know, you can't go back shooting for six months or, you know what, kids, you're not going to go back to school until 2021. That's too overwhelming. So I'm with you. Just take it day by day for now. Day at a time, a day at a time, yeah. And if you have the means to give, you need to give to the people that can't make it through today, you know? When I saw those pictures of the food line for people who just need to eat tonight, that's a lot different than me worrying about, I wonder if I'll be able to go back to work in two months. Like, if you can, if you can give today, then you need to give today, and then we'll all take tomorrow when we get to tomorrow. No question. And a lot of celebrities who have been doing that and pitching forth. And listen, on its own level, you're giving us a lot by giving us the entertainment of Better Call Saul. The last two episodes in particular, I mean, I noticed Vince Gilligan directed the episode two weeks ago. And I said, okay, that's why this episode is so unique and the angles is beautifully shot. For those who don't know the show, Jimmy's in some real trouble now. He's out there in the desert and barely surviving. And uh, you've got that great scene there where you're, you know, you're trying to kind of lobby to find out how he's doing. But particularly last episode, Ray, I mean, I, I'm still getting chills right now. That, the, the tension in that last scene and the way your character stands up to this badass. And I'm like, oh, my God, please, Kim, I hope you're going to be OK. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, Mike's got you in your sights. Oh, no, what's going to happen? Like uh, for, for an audience, it's so nerve wracking. What was it like on set? Like, how are you guys able to ratchet up that tension? Because obviously we're so invested in your character and in Jimmy and what's going to happen. But we don't know. So I'm curious for you guys, how are you able to bring that tension to that scene? Well, I mean, as soon as I read it, I was like, oh boy, here we go. And um, Tom Schnauz wrote and directed it. Um, he wrote another scene that Michael Morris directed for me a couple episodes before that, where Jimmy and I uh, have a what would be a breakup argument that keeps ratcheting up. And then I 
turn on a dime and say, or we could get married. So Tom likes to send me on a car over a cliff and see what happens. <laughs> um, and this is another one of those things where I was just like, oh boy, this is, uh, that's a lot. And it's a lot for all three people. Um, obviously, I have the great fortune of Tom's writing, Tom's directing, and then getting to perform with anytime I'm in the room with Bob Odekirk and now with Tony Dalton, who's tremendous as well. I knew they were going to bring it. So it was about all of us doing our homework. And then we had the luxury of a um, full rehearsal before we shot it because they knew the, uh, the, the heavy lifting performance wise. Um, we usually get to do uh, lots of takes and run the scene and, and really find the best, the best um, path to navigate through these roller coaster ride scenes because they're not always an obvious arc. Um, and in this case, we knew we needed even more time. So all of us came to set uh, the day before, I think, one or two days before, and let Marshall, our VP, watch what we ended up organically finding um, blocking-wise. And Tom had some ideas of how he wanted to shoot it as well. But uh, yeah, you just, I just had to go in it with... Uh, she comes she comes out of the cannon with this um, confrontation to him after being um, completely silent for a long period of time. So I knew that my homework would have to be in those moments of figuring out where do you go from, how do you land on that being your only choice? How does she get back against the wall enough? And I think it's from watching, I watch, in the scene, I watch Tony and I watch Bob and, and Kim just figure out, she knows there's a part of the story she doesn't know yet. And she's gauging how bad is it. And when when Lalo gets more menacing and Jimmy's not giving, she re I in for my for my money, I thought that's when she starts to do the math of, oh, there's something very bad that he's keeping and it's a secret he thinks is worth how dangerous this just got. So I've got to help him keep whatever the secret is too. What me knowing what it is is besides the point. Uh, beside the point, and then and then noticing, you know, how menacing Tony is. I went to what I think Kim Kim does not actually handle emotional difficulties very well. She suppresses them and chooses pragmatism. Work. Uh, how do you logic yourself out of that? And that's how I came to that decision. Is like, well, she's got a she thinks the only way she can deal with this is like it's in, in court. That's the only superpower she has right now. And, and I talked to the costume designer we, uh, about, do we think she's taking her shoes off? And I was like, let's definitely have her shoes off earlier in the scene because I wanted Tony to be even more towering over me. I wanted for her to physically be small so that, uh, so that the monologue it, it can shine even more what, what Tom wrote that she, what she says. And, and I take it a sentence at a time. Tom and I both came to the conclusion that I really don't think she planned the whole thing. She planned like one or two sentences and was hoping it would be, it would end <laughs> and it's not ending. So she has to say two more and then two more and then four more. But that's a great point, Ray. Cause I got that sense while watching, you know, we, 
it felt like a play. You know what I mean? Like the show is so visual. It's so cinematic. I mean, mm-hmm. that shot of you looking at the cup and seeing the bullet hole and recognizing like there's, there's not a wasted emotion and you guys don't use dialogue if it's not necessary. When Kim just sees that and mm-hmm. knows there's a bullet hole, she knows some stuff went down and that's it. And later on when she, she's not even confronting Jimmy. She just says, Hey, listen, in, in a very nurturing manner, Hey, I know some stuff went down out there. And if you want to tell me, like I'm here for you. And of course he just tells her he drank his mm-hmm. own pee, which is true. And he hadn't told her that part, but she knows he's still hiding something. <laughs> I, I'm with you that this isn't like yeah. one of those monologues. It's not like, you know, long days journey into night. Like, Oh my God, here's this big monologue. Hickey's going to come through. Like, no, no, no. I, I think you're absolutely right. It's mm-hmm. incrementally building. It's almost like somebody who is used like Kim is so straight laced, right? I always picked you the hair pulled back in the bun and the business suit. And it's almost like you're starting to get unfurled mm-hmm. a little bit. And it's like, I, I agree with you. It felt like it was coming in waves and you're going, no, 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 Kim, stop, stop, stop. He's going to kill you. No, 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 stop, 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 stop. But it's almost like you're gaining right. strength with each delivery, which I thought was amazing. Thanks. Good, good, good. Thank you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, especially, I, I think when I look at the show, like I said, the, the cinematic nature of it and just how visually strong it is. Like, do you... I was looking back at some 70s movies. Like, obviously, we have so much time on our hands. I was going back to, to CCM. I was watching, like, Days of Heaven and uh, Paper Moon, you know, Bogdanovich mm. film. And I'm like, I'm looking at just, like, shots of, like, you know, the, the rustic landscape. And uh, it's amazing when I watch Better Call Saul, because especially in a time like now, where all of us are cooped up and dealing with the, the prison of our own self-isolation. Like, that show is so uh, dreamy, because I, I literally feel like I'm in Albuquerque, even though I've never been. And, and it's not even just, like, you know, wide, luscious shots. It's you unique angles. Mm-hmm. Do you have a sense of that when you're on set, how it's all going to come together? How it's all going to come together? Not as much because I, I, I don't have, I wish I did, but the talent of uh, our post-production people as well is just so much of what they're doing is, is what's on screen as well. The editors, um, Joey Lou, Chris McCaleb, um, and Skip McDonald, uh, all these people are, using the footage um in an entire it's and i know this has been said before but the don't, don't they say like um shows or films are made three times once in the once in the writer's room then once when it's actually being um filmed and performed and then the third time is in post-production when it's edited and it's really true and so seeing the beautiful archery of what these people are doing after the fact um is always surprising and awesome to me while we're shooting, I'm aware of additional coverage and the hair that's going into not just the angles in the shot, but what's in them and the art department um, and everyone, costumes, props, everyone is involved with these compositions that are very specific, where, where the pens are, what color uh, the chairs are, uh, what our costumes look like next to each other, what they look like next to this wall, what what color that wall is going to be painted. Um, everything is uh, a decision that's made um, in service of the storytelling and creating these these visually stunning paintings in their own right, each one of them. Um, and for any of your viewers that don't know what I mean by the extra coverage, if you thought of in the most simplest of terms, you were shooting a scene and you thought, okay, you always have to geographically let us know where we are and where people are. So that's going to be your wide um, three people in, in an apartment and, and they're moving and I need to see that they sit down on a couch and then Tony sits in the middle. Then you're going to start doing um, mediums and close-ups of the person talking and then the person receiving that 
um, dialogue and speaking back and these kind of things. Those are the normal ways to go about it. But I'm, I'm aware when we're doing specialty shots, shooting through a coffee pot, shooting through the um, goldfish tank, uh, through the aquarium, um, shooting my eye through the bullet hole. Certainly the montage split screen scenes, both times we've done those when there's this imaginary line down the center, we can't see the line. And so Marshall has to come up with how to get the lens to um, how to have us be on screen and uh, only up to the line that they're going to be creating later in post. Cause it's not there while we're filming. So they've got like <laughs> taped down the center of the screen, trying to figure out what, where is my half of this montage, all that stuff we're completely aware of, but it's, not laborious it's exciting being part of that because i know the visual language of this show is a whole nother character unto itself and um and and has to be serviced and it's exciting and fun to watch how they do it it's a great point you made about how it's put together in three steps so let me take you back to the writer's room then and that just the essence of unpredictability because i think this season in particular on better call saul it's so unexpected what's happening i was so shocked that i'm pretty sure kim's going to break up with jimmy because she knows he's lying and instead she says or we can just get married um when you're throwing beer bottles after a long day on the balcony like we like these scenes are so memorable and they just part of me says well they came out of nowhere i couldn't expect it happening but if you know the show as well as i think i do as well as everybody who's watched every episode you go nah it, it does kind of make sense that kim and jimmy would get married yeah it does kind of make sense they just start chucking beer bottles out the window yeah mm-hmm. she is kind of more like him than people realize what's it like for you when you look at the pages and go okay we're going in this direction sounds cool it's it's exactly what you're describing as a viewer. We get the scripts only one at a time. I don't know what's going to happen in the next episode. I never do. When I'm doing one one episode, I have no idea where they're going with the next one. Um, so you just have to play the moments in front of you. And when I'm even just reading them, the first time, I, they're a joy to read. They're so exciting. I mean, they give me agita, but that's exciting. <laughs> um, I'm flipping the pages and I'm going, wait, what? And then what? And, and then even when you get to scenes like you're talking about the, the um, beautifully written Ann Cherkis episode where it starts with a balcony beer bottle scene that has some dialogue, but it's minimal and it's very strained. And she pejoratively calls him Saul for the first time. Um, and then ends with showing the essence that they still do have of this relationship where they can silently be with each other and they know you get me and I get you. I, I know she's still holding on to the Jimmy that's underneath us. And he, I think she feels seen by him and known by him um, in a way that she doesn't really believe of other people. And they can just sort of silently be there for each other. And they used to, we started the whole series with one sentence in a parking garage sharing a cigarette. And I have half the sentence, he has half the sentence and I have the half the sentence and I never forgot like, okay, if you can finish someone's sentence sentences, then you, you're, you do know each other extremely well. You've been around this person for a really long time. Um, and now here we are, you know, in five seasons later and we don't even have to talk. We can finish each other's thoughts without speaking <laughs> and throw and realize like we're going to throw these bottles. And, I get excited when I read all of the scenes and, and the, are we going to get married um, or, or um, confronting Lalo um, doing an impression of Kevin Wachtel um, with statue, statue, statue. And he, and Jimmy doing an impression of me in that um, uh, really great episode as well. 
they're all surprises to me. And as an actor, I go, what? Wait, what's happening? <laughs> and then you take a moment and you step back from it. And as soon as I go into Kim's head and trying to do my homework on the scenes and break down what is she thinking? Where did she come from before this? And what's happening in this moment? Uh, then it doesn't feel like a shocker. It never feels manipulative of the audience. It never feels like it's just a ratings grab or something to, for shock value. It immediately, I immediately go, oh, yeah, I see why this person would behave this way. And I understand. We're, I mean, we're so, we're, we're, as humans in real life, we're very bizarre. And we have bizarre reactions. You know, the, the most common one is like, you know, somebody who starts laughing at a funeral. We have very strange nonlinear reactions to things in life all the time. And uh, it's, it becomes such a fun puzzle for me to take the things they pick that are not the most obvious thing. Like, oh, clearly you behave this way when this happens, because that's not real life anyway. Not to mention this heightened poetic universe that we're living in on Better Call Saul. So it's shocking and fun as a fan. And then I start to do my work and I go, yep, no, I get it. It's just, it, all it is, is it's very complex humanity. That's what it is. <laughs> humanity is the perfect word for it because one of the great tricks of the show is this. Ostensibly, it's about a show that's a prequel to the Breaking Bad universe. And it's about Saul Goodman, who's a funny, likable guy. And Bob Odenkirk is so clever and quick witted and, and then you go, wait, actually, no, it's a mm -hmm. tragedy. It's, it's a dark show. It's about how Jimmy McGill went to the dark side <laughs> God, I, and I loved Michael McKean. God, we could talk about him for days. I thought he was so good as Chuck. What a, a Machiavellian character. But, but the show went from being about Jimmy and his transformation to Saul Goodman to really about Kim Wexler. And I think you become the MVP of the show. I'm not the only one saying this. Scott Feimer's been saying this from The Hollywood Reporter. Alan Seppenwall's been saying it. Rolling Stone's been saying it. And, it's go, and I can actually typify it, Ray, in one moment for you. Because this was the moment to me that I go, oh my God, the show is really about Kim. Because we are Kim, and it's heartbreaking for all of us. You know, it's like Shakespearean, right? The eyes are the windows to the soul. You're the window to seeing what's happened to Jimmy. And here's the scene. It's when Jimmy reads the letter from Chuck, and he's so flippant, and he's so callous about it, and your character starts crying. I said, oh my God, how could you not get swept up in that kind of emotion? I remember I asked you about this scene a year ago, but for our audience, explain, why does Kim in that moment get so emotional? Uh, that was a wonderful scene. Gordon Smith wrote that and, um, Dan Sackheim directed it. And, um, we, I know some people forever and I kind of love that I, we have such avid fans that they come up with multiple interpretations of things sometimes. And there's really no wrong or right to some people's theories, but I will say in that moment, what was being played and what was intended was that she did not write this letter. This was not a manipulative thing. Um, I don't think she actually knows what's in that letter. And so I had to give it a lot of thought of like, cause she's, we see that Kim is not someone who breaks down easily. She really fights to keep her emotions in check. Um, and not just being vulnerable or like, you know, being a crybaby, I like all of her emotions. She's an extremely still person who tries to compartmentalize and suppress any kind of extreme emotional response to things. Um, and obviously we're seeing that erode now in the current season as well, even with anger. She just can't keep things down anymore. But um, in that scene, I talked with Gordon and I talked to Dan about uh, 
why why this much emotion now what is it that what is the lump in her throat that she can't swallow this time and we really thought it's a lot of things and that kind of scene is difficult to put not to pat myself on the back but just to speak technically about it it's difficult because your character needs to um respond to something that's entirely internal because yes jimmy's callousness with reading it is part of what's affecting her. Um, but she's having an entirely different internal or interior monologue happening of thoughts that he's not participating in. Um, so you have to take that off yourself and come up with what is this interior monologue that's happening. And for me, it was about, um, it's about the specifics that are happening in the room, which is, Oh my God, Chuck actually did say something kind about you but you are so you meaning jimmy you are so um removed and distant and unreachable right now that it's not affecting you in any way and it's a little bit horrifying to watch but i think ultimately it's incredibly tragic to her because she's afraid that her partner has fallen down a well that she'll never get a long enough rope to send to him um and it's a much bigger picture of the, the tragedy of these two brothers and the tragedy of Chuck, the tragedy of how he went out and what they did, their part in that. Um, and the fact that this, this relationship will forever scar Jimmy, and it's going to be even worse now that it ended this way, and that this final result would be a positive thing that Chuck should have said years ago, not wait till you kill yourself and leave it in a letter. Um, and the whole, I think she's crying over the entire tragedy of the Jimmy McGill story. And I do think that she loves him um, and is desperately trying to be a, a good partner to somebody that's grieving. And that was much, a lot of that season had to do with navigating somebody's grief. And, it, and most of us have been there in our lives, whether you're the person grieving or you are the support for someone grieving. Grief is a very weird thing. And so that's why I decided Kim would immediately excuse herself physically from the situation. As soon as Jimmy sees her crying, she is abruptly trying to get out of the room. And it's because I saw, I thought Kim would see it as a selfish act to, to, to I don't want him to take care of me in that moment. I'm supposed to help you through grieving the suicide of your brother. Um, and so I think it was important for her to immediately want to be out of the room. That's amazing. I mean, that answer is almost as good as the scene, which is uh, really a testament to how much effort and work you put into it. All right, more from Ray Seahorn coming up right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I have a couple of dreams. I have a couple of wishes for you. One is, God, please, can the Emmys 
not even just nominate you. Can you win, for God's sakes, because the character is so indelible. And I hope the show, <laughs> now that we're done with the Game of Thrones monstrosity, hey, all due respect, that's great. Okay, can Better Call Saul please win Best Drama? Can you get nominated and win? Can Odenkirk win? Can Jonathan Banks finally win, playing Mike Urban Trout? That, that's my main wish, which you and I have no control over. And here's my other wish for you. As somebody who loves your work, I want to see you, because this character, as you said, you nailed it with Kim, repressed, holds back emotions. I want to see you in like a raunchy Judd Apatow comedy. I want to see you with your hair down, just acting goofy and silly. You know, it reminds me, I was, Jason Bateman's a great actor, right? You know, the movie, The Change Up, him and Ryan Reynolds. Normally, he's always the straight man and he's laid back. And in that movie, he got to be the wild guy. That's what I want. I want to see a Ray Seahorn, wild, outrageous comedy. So unlike Kim Wexler. Can that happen? I don't see why not. Um, I, I came from comedy, as most of my cast did. Uh, I did comedy and drama on stage, but uh, once I started doing television, it was on. Um, it was uh, all comedy. Love doing comedy. I think it would be a, a blast to uh, play something totally different in a in a film on hiatus um, or after the show ends. Either way, it, it, it would be. There's your kind bringing up the MVP stuff. But I got to tell you, it's it's my it's my whole cast. It's also the writing. It's the directing. Um, it's it's incredible uh, to be to be working on that on, on that level and to be challenged and to have um, writers and directors and scene partners that all believe you can um, you can throw this ball even further than you thought you could. And guess what? You do. You do. When that many people believe in you. Cannot wait for the season finale, which is coming up on Monday. And there's going to be one more season, of course. This is the penultimate season. We can't wait for the other season. But in terms of other projects, last one for you, Ray. Things Heard and Seen, upcoming American mm-hmm. horror thriller film. And immediately I recognized the names. I said, oh, Sherry Springer, Bergman, Robert Pulcini. They did one of my favorite movies, of course, American Splendor with the great Paul Giamatti. So horror movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, American Splendor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so good. Um, so I'm looking at this cast now. It's got you, F. Marie Abraham, Amanda Seyfried. What can you tell me about this? I'm assuming the release date, like everything these days, we don't know what it's about, but a horror movie, that's something James different. James Norton, who's, who's brilliant. Do you know James Norton? I don't know James Norton's work, he's, no. He's, he's a male lead in it, too. Okay. Oh, my God. Uh, if any of your viewers or listeners or you haven't seen Happy Valley, you have to see Happy, Happy Valley. Now, James has also done um, a number of other shows um, that he's well-known for here in... in uh, in England, but you've got <laughs> Happy Valley is one of my favorite um, crime series. I think only two seasons, and Sarah Lancashire, the lead woman, is so phenomenal. And I think there's only maybe like twelve or sixteen episodes total, so it's an it's an easy watch during quarantine time. <laughs> um, but he's he's phenomenal. It's a great. It's it's so great. We had so much fun. We did that. We shot things heard and seen, which is based on the book um, when all things cease to appear. Um, and uh, it's uh, on the outside, um, an awesome haunted house, like Amityville kind of thing, like uh, suspense horror film but it's um but it's psychological it's actually this this whole secondary thing um thematically i mean of of uh i don't even know what i'm allowed to give away it's very cool <laughs> amanda and james are fantastic and i'm totally couldn't be more different than kim in it um it's not like a goofy body comedy like you're saying which i would definitely love to do um but uh i play um a 
I don't, I don't even know what I'm allowed to say. I look very different, and I play a sort of second-wave feminist um, weaving instructor, very kind of Miriam Shapiro, <laughs> Judy Chicago <laughs> kind of thing. Um, we had so much fun, and, and Bob and Sherry are the best. They're the best. I loved working with them. I, I love how careful you were as far as the plot. So I'll read the synopsis. We should be okay with the synopsis. I was just thinking, like, I haven't been given any notes yet about <laughs> what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not. But I got to spend um, fall and the beginning of winter in um, upstate New York, which I'd never done before. Um, Hudson Valley and uh, Rhinebeck and Pine Plain, Kingston. It was just gorgeous. Yeah, an artist relocates the Hudson Valley, begins to suspect that her marriage has a sinister darkness, one that rivals her new home's history. You're not going to get in trouble for for me saying that, because that that is the synopsis that's officially out there. There you go. Uh, My big time thanks to Racy Horn. She's unbelievable. You know her from I'm With Her, Whitney, Veep, and of course, playing Kim Wexler, knocking out of the park on Better Call Saul. I can't thank you enough for your generosity. Not only your performance, which I think is giving so much of us pleasure during this uncertain and surreal time the show is always great but particularly this season i think it's gone to another level and i think we all appreciate having that escapism that entertainment and i hope everything gets back to normal as soon as possible and i hope you get all the rewards you deserve best to you and graham and the boys and uh, let's get that raunchy comedy to happen sooner rather than later okay all right i like it thank you so much thanks for having me This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.